I'd like to read uh, to start off in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. It says, and they, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And you can see that it's a question. And we see that through this verse we understand that there is a power. There is a fire that is burning whenever we share the scriptures. So prepare yourself because today we're going to read a lot of the Bible. Because the word of God is like a fire and it lights up, it burns within our hearts. Amen. So let's continue reading. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, it's a, and here is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. But I'd like you now to focus on the last part of the verse. And John the Baptist, he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus says that we would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, and that is different than John the Baptist, because John the Baptist says, I will baptize you with water for repentance. And why do we have this difference? Why is there a baptism with water for repentance and a baptism with the Holy Spirit with fire? Well, it's because the water, it's baptizing us from outside to the inside. While the fire is baptizing us from the inside to the outside. Well, water, it cleans, while the fire, it purifies. And that's why whenever Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he says we must be born of the water, born again of the water and the spirit. So John the Baptist then he says, I will baptize you with water for repentance. But the same John the Baptist he says that Jesus would baptize you with holy with the holy spirit and fire. And this is why Jesus, he gave this command to his disciples. If we go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, Jesus gave this command. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So Jesus, he gives them a command and he says, Don't leave the place where you are until you get the promise. And he continues and he explains the same thing that we read. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> so this was a command that Jesus gave directly to the apostles. That they shouldn't leave the place that they were, they shouldn't leave Jerusalem until they received this baptism. So now we're going to understand today what is the importance and the relevance of this baptism of with the Holy Spirit. And what it is, it's, a, it's an ability and a capacitation that comes from heaven. 
and there is a dressing of power of anointing over each and every one of us. Uh, how many wants to be dressed, be clothed with this power in your life? So if we want to be used by God, if we want to truly be an instrument in God's hands, then we need to experience this dressing, this clothing of power over our lives. If you look at Luke 24, chapter 49, and he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, <coughs> but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this was the promise from God the Father. And it says that we would be dressed, we would receive power from on high. But what does it mean to receive, to be clothed with power from on high? What is it? It's when God gives you an ability, gives you a capacity, a specific capacity or it's a clothing of power as he describes which is basically an anointing for you to do what is impossible for you you will be able to do things that is impossible for you to do with your own strength can you understand? So it's an anointing that allows us to do something that is impossible, something that we couldn't do by ourselves. And that is why that Jesus speaks to Paul in Acts 26:18. It says, "I've sent you to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And you can see that this baptism with fire is an authority that we get from Jesus. Or it's a license, it's a permission that God gave us through Jesus. Because it would be impossible for Paul to carry out what Jesus is asking him to do otherwise. And we can see that these people, people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they are under a power. Um, and, in, and everybody that uh, Paul is ministering to is under the power that Jesus says, under the power of Satan. But the good news is that Jesus, he dresses you, he clothes you in a power which is greater than the power of Satan. So that we could turn them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus. It's to take them away from the power of Satan and put them under the power of God. Amen? Isn't that good news? You know, it, it should excite you. If we go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and 8, <coughs> it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So if you go down to verse 8, He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And this was a demand that Jesus gave, a command that Jesus gave to us. And it's also an authority that Jesus imparted to us. And this is something that we wouldn't be able to do on our own accord. So God, he doesn't want us only to be baptized with water. 
only in the, in the name of Jesus for salvation. But he also wants us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we see that when we read Acts, the book of Acts, we see that the, the apostles at the time, they had a, a, a big worry. Because wherever they go, one of their questions was, they, were always, they always wanted to know if the disciples had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the question was, uh, were they baptized with water only, or were they also baptized with the Holy Spirit? And they, it, were, it was paramount that they received the Holy Spirit. And if you see that when Paul, he gets to Ephesus, and his first question then to that people was, it says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? It was the first question he asked to the believers of all those who had been had gone through the waters. If we go to Acts 19:6, is it clear? Is it easy to understand? Can you understand? Can you follow? Is it too quick? Amen. It says, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues. Uh, where are you? Sorry. Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered. And they said, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So can you see what was Paul's worry with the believers at the time? Because in that moment they were they were proclaiming faith in Jesus, but they didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> And we need to have the same worry. Because if you don't if you don't receive the Holy Spirit, the power that comes from on high, you won't be able to do what God has asked you to do. And if we go in, in Acts 19.6 And it says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Amen? How many wants to be closed with the power from on high? Amen? Glory to God. So if we want to reach out to Monahan, if we want to reach out to our family members, to, to our friends or the people that is around us, then we need to be clothed with this power that comes from on high. Amen? And you can... And you can see that one of the first things that happens when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that they start to speak in tongues and start to prophesy. Because the speaking in tongues is one of the evidence that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has happened. Amen? Do you agree with me? And we're going to see this evidence here today. Amen? In the end, we're going to be ministering over you so that you would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that you would speak in tongues and fulfill the calling that God has for your life. Amen? How many, how many wants this? But you need one thing. You need to desire it. You need to want it. You need to believe in the message of God. Amen? If we go to Acts 10, 44, 46. 
We're going to read a lot of verses, guys. <laughs> We're almost halfway. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, it says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Because everyone that was around them, they heard them speaking in tongues and giving glory to God. Can you see something at the end of this verse? Why then there is so many people in church but they can't praise God, they can't glorify God with their lives? Can you see that they started to speak in tongues and in the same instant they started to praise God? This is powerful. Because whenever the Holy Spirit then comes upon you, one of his main objectives is to bring you to a place of praising God. And that is in the opposite direction of the spirit that is in the world because the spirit in the world wants you to objectify Satan. And that is why the Holy Spirit is specific to the church. And Jesus says that the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. But the church can. The church then receives the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we see here that the Holy Spirit, He doesn't come before we expose the Scripture. The Holy Spirit doesn't come before the preaching of the gospel. And that is why we need to speak, we need to preach about the love of God to people. Because whenever you expose scripture to people and you start speaking to them about the love of God, the Holy Spirit then has permission to go and start speaking to their hearts. And what catches my attention is that, you know, Peter, he was still speaking. He was still talking. He was still in the middle of his preaching when the Holy Spirit comes over them. And even more interesting is that all those that saw these physical evidence... And they became surprised, they were shocked, because when they saw that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given even to people who wasn't a Jewish. Jewish. And said, like it was in Pentecost, they would hear them speaking in different tongues and glorifying God. Amen. And today we're going to praise God and give Him all the glory at the end of this message. But if you don't speak in tongues, this, this doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit and it doesn't mean that you uh, are not saved. If you are born again, if you believed in Jesus, if you were baptized, then you've received the Holy Spirit in you. But this dressing of power, this, this, this power that comes from on high that we're talking about is something specific. And it's an ability, a capacity that God gives us to fulfill what he asked us to do here on this earth. If we look at what, what Paul says to the Ephesians, and 
and he says, when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you, when you believed, you were marked with, in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Amen. So when you heard and when you believed in the gospel and you have a commitment with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. We are sealed in him with a promise. All those who believe in Jesus, all those that repent from their sins are saved. And they're sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of salvation. Amen. However, the baptism of fire, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a clothing of power so that enables you to fulfill your ministry. Amen? And what is a calling? What is a ministry? And I like uh, a declaration that one of, one of the preachers in Brazil likes to, likes to say. And it says, the calling is some incredible work given to an in inadequate person to do something impossible for an indefinite time without sufficient resources. <laughs> Did you take that on board? You should write this down and never forget about it. Because the first time when I th that I heard this phrase, and I said, yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> That's what I want for my life. Because it's something incredible that God gives us. Look at me and look at you. We're, we're inadequate people. We're incapable of fulfilling the responsibility that Jesus gave us. It's to do something impossible. If we look at all throughout all the Bible, Everything that God asked a man or a woman to do, it was borderline impossible. It was impossible. Can you understand? Can you imagine the, the, um, the task that God gave to, to Noah to build an ark? Have Have you ever stopped to think the work that God gave Moses to do? To set half a million, half a million people from, from Egypt. Have you ever stopped to think the size, the magnitude of the temple that Solomon had to build for God? And the worst thing is it's for an indefinite amount of time without the enough resources. God didn't tell Noah that he was going to build the ark for 120 years. Maybe if God gave us all the detail, what would be your reaction? <laughs> what resources do we have? What resources do we have to speak in other tongues? What resource do we have to heal people? Let's continue. Let's go to Acts 10:38. And the Bible says, when God, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, And how he, Jesus, went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. The Bible doesn't say because he was God. The Bible says because God was with him. So he healed people. 
Not because he was God. The Bible, in this verse, the Bible doesn't say because he was God. The Bible says because God was with him. And of course, we know that Jesus was God. Because but what the Bible wants to emphasize here is that God is with us so that we can do what we need to do here in this earth. But he needs to anoint us first. Just, just like he anointed Jesus, he will anoint his church. So the, baptize, the baptism with fire is so that you can fulfill your calling. It's so that you can heal those that are being oppressed by the devil. Amen? You need to believe what I'm preaching for your life now. It's not only for ourselves. It's not a self-centered thing. It's for what God has for your life. We don't we we as individuals we don't have enough strength to fight against Satan. If you've have if you've never seen a, a demon possessed person, I can tell you that three, four to five people isn't enough to hold them back. The only strength that we have comes from God. And that is why Paul, he says, strengthen in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. And whenever we say in the name of Jesus, the hell has to stop. Amen. And the Bible says in Matthew 4:24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And he healed them. So the baptism with fire is precisely for you to fulfill your calling and provide evidence. And it's physical, real evidence and supernatural evidence. Amen? So then what does Jesus say to his disciples? If we look at Matthew 10, 1, he says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. So can you... Can you understand that you're incapable of doing that by yourself? And that is why Jesus, he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you. With one purpose. So that you would be Jesus' testimony here in this earth. Amen. So you're going to lose the fear to be a testimony of Jesus to others. You're going to lose the fear to testify of God's mercy, God's love. Even, even the fear that you might have to say that you're a Christian in an environment where no one is a Christian. Amen. So what would be this power, this virtue, this clothing of power from on high? Jesus, 
It's the same fire that Jesus was anointed with and is also mentioned by John the Baptist. So let's, let's put it this way. The fire is the visible, physical form of the invisible glory of God. So now pay attention. The fire of God, it can operate in different ways. For some people, it's consuming fire. For others, it's purifying fire. And that is why the Bible says that our Father, God, is all-consuming fire. So, and of course, for some, he's all-consuming fire, and for others, he's purifying fire. And we will see this very clearly in the Bible. For, for some, the fire came and consumed them. For the two sons of Aaron, the fire came and killed them. For Ananias and Sapphira, the fire came and consumed them. And for Satan, again, the same situation. The fire came and consumed them. And then why is it then that for some people the same fire comes and the it doesn't consume them? It's because for the apostles it was purifying fire. For Isaiah it was purifying fire. The Bible says that the angel took a piece of ember and touched his lips and he was purified. For Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, he it was purifying fire because they were inside the the furnace. And they were purified. And the Bible says that not even a strand of hair of them were burnt. And it was the same fire. For some, the fire will come and it will give you the ability to press on. But for others, the same fire will come and it's going to consume them. I really like a phrase from Charles Spurgeon. And he says, the same fire that is in hell is also the same fire in heaven. Because for God there isn't a difference. It's fire and it's fire and it will continue to be fire. It just depends on which side of the fire you you are. <laughs> Have you noticed that? So let's see the three functions of fire. The first function that we can speak about is the fire it comes to purify. It comes to change us, it comes to clean us, it comes to sanctify us. When the fire comes, it has to purify us. Amen? The second function of the fire is that it's consuming. Fire, it destroys what's what is bad in our lives. And that is why it's so important that you would commit to God, that you would give yourself to God. Because that same fire then comes to destroy what is evil in your life. Third function of the fire. It empowers, it gives you the ability to fulfill God's calling. How many want this fire? 
But do you want to be empowered or consumed? <laughs> empowered. <laughs> Every time that you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be different. You're going to feel a fire burning inside of you. Doesn't matter how cold it is. Because I have already experienced this fire. Today we have, we are in a very warm, cozy place here in YW. It's nice and warm. But we used to, we used to have a little, we used to have a, another place which was a little colder. <laughs> just, just a little. But glory to God because we had that place. <laughs> but there we had a little room. And that's where I started to feel the fire of the Holy Spirit. And today there's no snow in Ireland anymore. It's 12 degrees and it's February. Ten years ago it was very different. <laughs> but there in that little room, in the other space that we used to use, I used to go a lot of times there and there was literally snow outside. And it was colder in there than it was outside. <laughs> So Pastor Fabiana, she would give me an MP3, and they had a lot of songs. Today you have your, today you have Spotify, you have other things. But you know, 10, 15 years ago, you didn't have all these luxuries. So I would, I would go there and I would start praising with this worship uh, mix that uh, Fabiana would prepare for me. And and sometimes within a few minutes I started to feel a fire burning inside of me. And it's really good. So I would take I would take my jacket off, I would stay only with my shirt because I couldn't withstand the heat. Can you understand? Let's run. <coughs> the fire is a a spiritual characteristic from heaven. And it's the uh, it's the foundation, it's the raw material of angels. Thank you, Pastor. And that is why when Elisha, when he was confronted with an army, that's why when he opened his eyes he, he could he could see chariots, chariots of fire. Angels of fire. Because fire is the visible appearance of the invisible glory of God. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with fire. And it's one of the biggest and most powerful promises with Jesus coming. And that is why John Wesley would say, I would I put myself on fire and people come to watch me. <laughs> in the and in the same time of John Wesley, there was another preacher called George uh, Whitfield. It said, either put fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. Because there has to be fire in the preaching. You need to feel God's fiery love through the preaching of the gospel. We need to look, look at ourselves before God and recognize how dirty we are. Every single man of God that came through this earth, that passed through this earth, they had the revelation of God's fire. 
No, and it was men who preached the gospel of God with fire in their hearts. And that is why God says, I will be a wall of fire surrounding Jerusalem, surrounding my people. And we can understand that the fire is the physical form of the invisible glory of God. Amen? And Paul then, he tells us, do not, let, do not quench the Spirit. But we can't quench the spirit. For a long time I was trying to understand what Paul is talking about. What, what is this quenching the spirit? But we can actually quench the, the flame of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now it depends on how you're living. Amen? then how are you to know that you have this fire, that you have a flame of the Holy Spirit burning in your heart? In my experiences, and with other people that have spoken to me and told me about their experience, it's wherever you are, sleeping or awake, you're, you're speaking in tongues. The worship and praise, the songs, is always in your tongues. And have you noticed that one of the things was speaking in tongues and the other was praising God? It's like you remember the word of God and you're constantly meditating on it. Because God, when he speaks to Jeremiah, he says, my word is like a fire. So if this word is inside of us, which is fire, then it's going to be burning inside of you the whole time, so you're always remembering it and repeating it. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in your work. You could be waking up. Wherever you are, this fire is constantly burning. And it's in that place that you're going to have pleasure to be inside the meetings. Why do you think people don't have pleasure to be in the, in the prayer meetings once a month, 12 hours of prayer? Where is the church yesterday? Two, two hours of worship and praise. How many people were there? It's because you're lacking fire. You're missing fire in your heart. You can't, you can't heat up a, a, a place, an atmosphere that doesn't have fire. It's the same thing. You might have the fireplace, but you can't put any wood. You don't have a fire to, to get the fireplace going. So me, even if I was a fireplace without the Holy Spirit, what am I? Nothing. And a fireplace without fire has no value. <laughs> has it any value? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> for picture. <laughs> In the same way, the, a believer without the Holy Spirit, you're going to do nothing for God. Service once a week, one Sunday a week. And it comes, comes to Sunday, doesn't go to church. Why? No fire in your heart. You know, but then we have the other one who says, wakes up early and says, yes, there's service today. Glory to God. You know, and I also arrived before you here. <laughs> Now the, the worshiper, the worship arrives earlier. <laughs> But think with me. When your soul starts to think about other things, you start to think about your work, your, your family, 
and the rent that you have to pay. But suddenly your fire is burning, so then it goes back to your spirit. And your spirit starts to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit once again. And you start to have this relationship of communion with the Holy Spirit. It's everything that we need. Another thing. Whenever the fire is burning in your heart, you always find an opportunity to speak about God's love to someone. You want to preach, you want to give a testimony to someone. You, you look for an opportunity, you try everything in your means. We're finishing. But I'd like to finish with the testimony from William Seymour. And he was a man that God used to, to bring revival in Azusa Street in America. And for years he preached about a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Which is the praying in tongues. Which is the preaching of the clothing of power, of anointing. And in that time the churches, churches were very empty. Because at the time even he had a, a little bit of a crisis going on inside of him. But he didn't give up. Don't give up. And we all know what happened in, in the revival of Azusa Street. The fire of God came down upon every single person in that place. Everybody who went there to pray, to find out what was going on, the fire of God would get them as well. Like, I won't give up until the fire of heaven comes upon this town and this church. We finished the fasting on Sunday. On Wednesday, I was fasting again. Yesterday, we were fasting and praying. The fire is going to come upon Manhattan. You will see the revival. You will see the salvation of people in this town. You will see youth being set free from addictions. You, you will see families getting fixed. Marriages getting fixed. It's one of the promises of God for the last days. It's that the heart of the children would go back to the heart of the fathers. And the fathers turn to the sons. But with the, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. How is the fire of God in your life? Is it burning? Is it dimming? And if it's quenched, God wants to lift, burn, make it burn again. If your heart is on fire for Jesus, God wants to keep that fire running. You know, one of the things that, that it says in the book of Revelation that Jesus, he looks at us with eyes that are burning. How is the fire of God in your life? It's our responsibility to make sure the fire is, is burning. If we go to Leviticus 6, 13 is the last verse. It's it says, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Amen. It's our responsibility to keep the fire lit. Let's stand up. This is a moment that you're going to receive this fire over your life. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Please.
Don't be distracted. Don't speak to anyone beside you. There is a glorious presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. He is here. The glorious presence of God is in this place. What you're going to feel right now in this moment is a fire burning inside of you. Please close your eyes in this moment, if you can. If you desire the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you, I pr lift, raise your hands to the heavens. The Bible says that even while Peter preached the message, he was still speaking. The Holy Spirit was poured down over everyone that was listening. So you, wherever you are, you're going to receive this fire right now over your life. Just continue praising Him. You can feel a fire burning inside of you. There are different levels, different forms of experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But one thing is that you cannot, absolutely must not, is stay quiet. Start glorifying God. Start speaking in tongues. Open your mouth. And you might feel that your mouth starts to shake. And if you already pray in tongues, if you already pray in tongues, start to pray in tongues right now. Start to pray in tongues right now. Close your eyes and raise your hands. There is a pouring of the Holy Spirit in this moment. Holy Spirit of God, come with your fire. Come over us. The Holy Spirit was given to the church. Open your mouth right now and start to speak in tongues. You're going to feel a strange tongue, a strange form of speech. Maybe if it sounds like gibberish, but start speaking. <laughs> 